following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Hey, where y'all at? It is a thrill. I love this show. You're telling me a big fat lot. I was hoping for funny crazy. I will get on stage on Broadway and I will reenact the rantings of Charlie Sheen one day. Think you can replace me with some other guy? Go ahead. It won't be the same. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. Do not bring Shakespeare into this. You're so smart. Oh, really? Well, so are you. And yes, the rumors are true. They smoke, they drink, they use bad language in mixed company. They're extremely rich and they can flash more bling than most posses in this room. I know exactly who that is. That's the mother that loses every goddamn game. That's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Get rid of him. Wow. Bros, come on. I love you, bros. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me, Savior! Howell back to the air. Nobody there. Howell in trouble. And down he goes. Third and long. Howell intercepted by the Lord. They fake it to Diggs. Allen steps up. There's the shot. Looking deep for Davis. Touchdown! Allen to Davis. Or we'll do it on first down. <laughs> Five letters here. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. I think we might be at at peak show open here on Existential Crisis Monday. It was not lost on me when the staff put that together, the whole Taylor Swift thing in Kansas City with Travis Kelsey on Sunday, which, by the way, I'm 100% in on. Uh, I want that to happen. I truly do. Uh, unfortunately, that's not what we cover here. We cover the Commanders and the Capitals. So, welcome to the show, everybody. It is an existential crisis Monday as the Commanders are coming off a 37-3 to loss to the Buffalo Bills. I will explain in a couple of minutes why Aaron Rodgers is absolutely right that we all need to R-E-L-A-X, relax. We'll also hear from Sam Howell and offensive tackle Andrew Wiley in a couple of minutes. And then in the second segment, we are headed indoors to the rink, and we're going to drop the puck because the Capitals have their preseason opener on Sunday, and we will talk uh, with Bailey Johnson of the Washington Post, the Caps beat writer, in just a couple of minutes. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They, The commanders were awful on Sunday, but when you think about it, what do you really what did you really expect? They were going up against a legit Super Bowl contender. They're a young team with a quarterback that's starting his fourth game. We talked about it all last week. That was a big step up in weight class. And what we saw is that this team ain't ready for that yet. What we saw was that this is a team that is, and we said it before the start of the season. We looked at the schedule at the beginning of the season, and we said, I can get to eight wins, I can get to nine wins, and maybe I can get to ten wins. And that's about it, without, again, completely flipping the script. Contrast that to the Buffalo Bills. When you looked at Buffalo's schedule at the beginning of the year, you can look at it and probably very easily line up a minimum of 11 and probably 13, maybe 14 wins there. Certainly, it was a surprise losing week one. Wouldn't be a surprise if they ripped off six or seven straight after that. They've already gone, you know, two in a row. So, you have to keep everything in perspective. 
And, yeah, you know, defenses are also going to start to catch up with what Sam Howell does, what he does well and what he doesn't do well. So you have to, again, look at the whole thing from 50,000 feet. And the reality of the situation is three weeks ago, we said that the commanders needed to win in week one. And if they did that, then they would have a good chance of winning in week two. And if they did that, they would probably come home and, let's face it, lose to Buffalo in week three. Did we think it was going to be as bad as it was? Absolutely not. But again, if you want to look on the bright side, it was a two-score game going into the fourth quarter. Now, even at 16 to nothing, none of us thought that the Commanders were going to win that game. We would have been shocked if it wound up that way. But it did fall apart, and it fell apart quickly. Hopefully they learned from that, that they can't make the mistakes that they did. Um, just to put things into perspective, go back and, and look at the way this game started. The defense got run on in the first series, but was able to hold the Bills to a field goal. The offense then went two, four, six, eight plays into scoring position before Sam Howell took two sacks and then threw an interception. Uh, the Bills would go up 10 to nothing, and Sam Howell would immediately come back, and after a turnover that led to a Buffalo score, drop a dime to Curtis Samuel, lead the commanders on another multi-play drive, and the commanders turn the ball over on the two-yard line on downs because they can't get in the end zone. And then at the start of the third quarter, what happens? They're down 16 to nothing, get the opening kickoff of the second half, all the way down into the red zone, and again, Sam Howell throws another interception. So it's it yes, it is on him and the offensive line for the most part. But again, it wasn't like they were run out of the building. Now, again, after the interception in the end zone, you knew that the game was basically over at that point. Um, but that's part of the process that we always talk about. And I'm not going to make any excuses for the offensive line. It was bad. And potentially, it might be an even worse problem than we think. Because it's a little bit hard, I think, for Eric Bieniemy to figure out how to scheme to get the most out of this line. Reason being, when you look, and I've gone back and I've watched the game a couple of times since Sunday, and what I saw this week was that Charles Leno and Sam Cosby had, relatively speaking, pretty good games. Unfortunately, Andrew Wiley and Sadiq Charles did not. What's the problem with that? Well, Leno's your left tackle. Cosme's your right guard. Wiley's your right tackle. Charles is your left guard. It's coming from both sides. That's a problem. It's not like Eric Bieniemy can scheme to one side or the other. He can't roll the pocket to one side away from where you're not getting good blocking. Unfortunately, the consistent thing has been has been Wiley, as we know. He has not gotten off to a good start, and it's not just the regular season. You know, we've, we saw it in the preseason as well. But, I mean, his pass blocking the last two weeks, uh, pro football PFF uh, graded him um, – with a, 50, with a rating of uh, 54 
in week two against uh, the Broncos, which is below average. And last and uh, just this past Sunday against Buffalo also rated him um, below average. In fact, his grade, his numerical grade, was within two-tenths of a point of each other both weeks. Problem with that is that numerical grade is 55 to 56. They got to get something done there. And they can't have, they don't have the luxury, unfortunately, of replacing him. I mean, who are you going to replace him with? Cornelius Lucas, uh, great swing tackle that, you know, can spell somebody if they're hurt. But Andrew Wiley's healthy right now. So, and and it's going to affect Sam Howell. You have heard the stats by now that he was under pressure for almost 80% of his dropbacks yesterday. It's just got to get better, and they got to figure out a way to get it better quickly. Whether that means more screens, whether it means more slants, more quick, more quick timing, whatever. But they got to figure it out and figure it out quick. But again, it's week three. The Commanders are exactly where you expected them to be. If you were an optimist, I'm not talking if you were detached from reality and had them three and zero. No, but the optimistic projection for the Commanders after week three was 2-1. and one. That's exactly where they were. What I want to see this weekend is for them to play better. Most likely, they're going to lose to Philadelphia. I'm expecting that, and I'm cool with that if they do, as long as they go in there and don't get blown out. I want to see them play a close game. I want to see it be a one-score game going into the fourth quarter, and I want to see it not get out of hand the way this one did. Again, we got to the fourth quarter against Buffalo. There was absolutely no way in hell, and we all knew there was no way in hell that the Commanders were winning that game. They weren't all of a sudden going to turn it on. When we hit the fourth quarter, Sunday in Philadelphia, what I want to be able to say is that, yes, there is a there is a puncher's chance. The Commanders have a puncher's chance, maybe get a couple of breaks, of being able to steal this game. Like I said, I don't think it's going to happen, but I want them to have the chance. Okay, let's go into the locker room, get you some locker room access here. I lied, we're not going to do Sam Howell. We're going to do Terry McLaurin and Andrew Wiley. So the first question for Scary Terry, obviously it's the most obvious one. What happened out there? Where do you go from here? Capitalizing in scoring situations, uh, when you get the ball in the red zone, like I said, uh, going into this week, you got to score touchdowns. And uh, it's heartbreaking when you get to the two-yard line and you don't quite get it in. So that's a that's on all 11 guys not executing and, and making sure we score seven points because um, that game was still within reach at that moment. And uh, when you don't score, it's kind of deflating to your offense and it, it puts your defense in a tough spot because then they have to try to get another stop. So um, I think we, we have to start there and uh, just execution as, as a whole. He's not wrong. He is absolutely not wrong. Uh, it, it's one thing when you blow some scoring opportunities against a team like the Cardinals it's another thing against the Bills. The commanders aren't good enough yet to be throwing away scoring opportunities. And, it, it, you know, the, not getting in from the two-yard line the first time puts you behind the eight ball. Then throwing the interception in the end zone, uh, that was just – it was just absolutely – that was the death knell for that game. And it's no coincidence, I don't think, that basically the bottom fell out after that one. So what do you do? 
do you just completely flush this one and move on or have you got to dwell on it for a while? That's a, that's a good point because in one hand you do kind of have to uh, flush the game because, um, you know, each week presents its own challenge and we're going to go into hostile environment environment against a division opponent next week against Philly. And, um, you know, those games dang near count for two, you know what I mean, because you're in your division and it's a win or a loss. But at the same time, if, if you don't address the things that we didn't do well today, then we're going to, those same issues are going to show up next week. And they're a very good football team. They're a championship football team so um it just forces us to really dig dig deep and figure out what can we do to make sure we get better in seven days to make sure those things don't happen and so um to a certain degree we kind of have to um rest our bodies look at the film these next few days and uh come back stronger but at the same time we have to address the issue so they don't show up again so we're not in this situation well one of those issues obviously is the offensive line uh, it's all anybody has been talking about for the last 24 hours or so, and we talked with Andrew Wiley after the game as well. Wanted to know what's going on with the offensive line. Didn't have much he could tell us, at least not right afterwards. You know, we'll get real specific with it, you know, after we see the film, after we break it down. But, um, you know, it's just, you know, we had some keys to the game that we talked about uh, pregame, you know, scoring points in the red zone. You know, we can see it. Um, you know, we just couldn't couldn't punch it in. Um, you know, those drives that we did get started, um, you know, we definitely have a lot to build on. Um, but we'll get in the film room and, and see the specifics about it. When a young quarterback's struggling like that, do you say something to him to try to just pick up the spirits or anything? Um... You know, he, you know, Sam's a great quarterback and a tough kid, man. So, I mean, you know, as, as offensive linemen, I mean, that's on our unit. You know, we take that personally. Um, we got to do a better job keeping him upright. We got to do a better job getting him that extra tick because, you know, he's a baller. He's trying to make plays. You know what I mean? And, uh, and that's what we need out of him. So, I mean, our guys up front, um, I know, you know, I speak for all of us. You know, we take that very personal. How do you think his composure was today? He seemed pretty even keel, even on the sidelines. Yeah, he's great. I mean, you know, he's a true competitor, you know, the definition. Uh, dude's a warrior out there. Uh, took some hits, got right back up, uh, continued to sling that thing. So, um, you know, we're going to keep battling for our guy 14. Did you look to see how a young quarterback responds during the week after a game like this? Um, you know, I'm looking at how everyone responds today. I'm looking at how, how I respond. You know, um, we're going to get in that film room, get real nitty gritty with it. Uh, you know, see exactly what we need to work on this week and then just attack this week of practice, man. And, you know, I know I know the guys are going to step up. I hope he's right because the list is going to be long. We are going to take a break. When we come back, Caps beat writer for the Washington Post, Bailey Johnson, joins us as we recap the Capitals' first preseason game and the first three or four days of training camp. It's the Bob Matthews Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. NFL season week three, boys and girls, let's go. Football's back. It's in full swing. We got epic games on the schedule again, including the Commanders and Eagles. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? None other than DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football, get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody is missing out on the action this season because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. So to get in on the NFL Week 3 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, all you got to do is download the app now. Use the code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take them 200 instantly 
in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and up, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility. Terms of responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome back. And my friends, the time has come. Raise the roof and have some fun. We got to talk some hockey. Time to bring in Capitals insider Bailey Johnson of the Washington Post as the Caps have now played their first preseason game and training camp is officially open. Bailey, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely, Bob. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is all mine. All right, let's start with the, the preseason opener against the Sabres, a 4-3 shootout loss. Who cares? The score means absolutely nothing. But what exactly did we see this past weekend that might be an indication of what we're going to see in the regular season? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, it looks like the first preseason game for both teams. There was a lot of rust on both sides. It was fascinating to see how even from the first period to the second period guys started to get their legs under them a little bit more the quality definitely got a lot better as the game went along it was a pretty light lineup from both sides they were both dressing just the bare minimum of veterans and I think the Caps were counting Alexia's 32 games last year as one of the players who played over 30 games last year so sort of a rookie camp-esque lineup on both sides plus the veterans that they have to dress. So we expected to see you know, a bit of rust and a lot of guys that are really most of the guys that were there are kind of not even on the fringes of making the roster. It was more give a lot of guys a game before they get to go down to Hershey and get the veterans their first game under them. So for the first game under Spencer Carver, you definitely saw them start to grasp what he's asking of them as far as the pace and the way he wants them to play. And you also, as expected, saw a lot of the execution not being quite there yet and still a long ways to go as expected in the first preseason game. So we're about three or four practices into training camp now, and I'm sure you saw the Caps uh, last year. Uh, you were in Columbus last year, so you saw them there. Um, are you seeing anything different this year, uh, particularly with Spencer Carberry in charge, that the Caps seem a little any different than under Peter Laviolette? I mean, it was definitely, it looks like the first preseason game for both teams. There was a lot of rust on both sides. It was fascinating to see how even from the first period to the second period, guys started to get their legs under them a little bit more. The quality definitely got a lot better as the game went along. It was a pretty light lineup from both sides. They were both dressing just the bare minimum of veterans. And I think the Caps were counting Alexia's 32 games last year as one of the players who played over 30 games last year. So sort of a rookie camp-esque lineup on both sides, plus the veterans that they have to dress. So we expected to see you know, a bit of rust and a lot of guys that are, really most of the guys that were there are kind of not even on the fringes of making the roster. It was more give a lot of guys a game before they get to go down to Hershey and get the veterans their first game under them. So 
for the first game under Spencer Carver, you definitely saw them start to grasp what he's asking of them as far as the pace and the way he wants them to play. And you also, as expected, saw a lot of the execution not being quite there yet and still a long ways to go, as expected in the first preseason game. Let's go a little inside baseball here for a second. It's my show, and quite frankly, we can do that. But what's it? This is this has been a big training camp for you. What's it like for a beat reporter on a new beat here? You know, this is not a team. You know, this is your first uh, look at, at this team. So, what's it like trying to? Uh, you know, training camp is is kind of where you know you're getting you're getting ready for the season as well. Yeah, it's tricky because there's only so much preparation I can do in the off season for those things. I can know every player's backstory and all of the facts on paper inside and out. And I certainly did plenty of work on that in the off season. But like you said, the little idiosyncrasies and the day-to-day things and the way things operate not to be too inside baseball about it, but there's a lot to learn, you know, especially these first few days of training camp for me has been, I wouldn't say like sitting back and watching, but definitely, you know, maybe not asking the first question in the scrum, but letting someone else have it and kind of just getting the sense of how the Caps media all operate together and finding my place within that. So it was a good first few days for me to just learn how everybody likes to operate, learn how the PR staff likes to operate. Everyone's learning how Spencer likes to operate because he's new for everybody, and that is a benefit for me as a newbie coming in with a new coach as well. So, I mean, some of the reporters here know him a little bit from his time in Hershey or even going back to South Carolina, but no one's worked with him at the NHL level, which gives kind of all of us an even playing field as a place to start, which is a benefit to me as well. You got to own the beat. I guarantee you, own it. Uh, all right, let let let's talk about some of the guys we obviously are not going to see until close to the regular season. Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, I I saw the story that you guys uh, had. He says he's he's the hip is a hundred percent. He's done talking about it. Uh, in the limited amount of time that you have seen him on the ice, what's been your impression of him uh, as he gets ready? I mean, he certainly looks better than he did at the end of last year. I think we all saw how at the end of last season, the skating was just really not there, and he looks like pretty labored going up and down the ice. So he looks a lot more fluid, and he is insistent that he's gotten a lot of strength back and says he's 100%. The question is what that 100% means. Like, I believe him when he says that he is as healthy as he can be, but the question is what that level of health translates to in an 82-game NHL season. He's looked good so far for the first couple of days of camp, but it's only the first few days of camp. Nobody's hitting each other yet. Nobody's, you know, pushing each other to that highest, highest level that you'll see as the season goes along. So, of course, the question is still how he holds up throughout the season, but the early signs are encouraging that there's been progress, and now everyone's just kind of waiting to see how he progresses as things keep going. Gotcha. Uh, how about some of the kids? Ivan Mioroshenko. Uh, everybody's got a lot of interest in, in this kid. You know, he, he's overcome um, the illness that he had, and there have been some tweets about him looking pretty impressive here, um, at least in the first couple of days of camp. Marashashenko, definitely you can see his shot, and he's a sneaky physical player, um, so that's been interesting to watch. I really, really like what I've seen from Hendrix Lafayette. I still think he's probably headed to Hershey to start the season, but will probably be high on the list for a call-up. He, I thought he was excellent in yesterday's game, kind of did a lot of the dirty work on his line. Sonny Milano scored the goal, Mantha got the assist on it, but it was Hendricks who was winning the face-offs and being the first guy in on the forecheck. His energy was really noticeable, and he's definitely playing with a lot of confidence right now. The same is also true of Connor McMichael, who's had a couple flashy plays so far in practice. He hasn't gotten into a preseason game yet, so I would expect him to this week. 
Um, and Vinny Iori is another guy who was on that Calder Cup winning team. And you can definitely see that the three of them took a lot out of that experience and are coming in with a lot of confidence right now. This is a big camp for Connor McMichael. I mean, he's been the top prospect in the system for so long. Started the year last year in Washington, wound up at Hershey. I mean, this is this is his year to make the leap, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting for me to watch him in camp now, having followed from the outside the last two seasons. I'm a pretty big nerd for the draft and prospect stuff, so I'm always keeping an eye on how first-round picks are doing in camp. And it's felt to me from the outside that, you know, McMichael has come into the last two camps, the last two seasons, you know, tentatively penciled into the lineup, depending on how good his camp is. And he's kind of fallen off throughout camp and ended up, you know, obviously last year he did make the opening at roster, but he was a healthy scratch and ended up in Hershey after only playing in six of, I think, the first 20 games. So it's just kind of the same situation again, where they really want him to make an impact and stick this year. He has the experience of playing under Spencer Carberry in Hershey two years ago now or three years ago. So that they've both said they think is really beneficial on both sides. Spencer knows his game really well. Connor knows how, um, how Spencer works and what he's looking for. So that's a benefit on both sides right now. They are starting him off on the wing. Um, Spencer said the other day that they plan to get McMichael some reps at center, but they don't want to flip him back and forth right now because they're trying to set him up to have the most success possible and show off what he can do. So as of right now, that would be on the wing. That is where they're looking at him. All right, Bailey, I know you've got a lot to do. We don't want to keep you any longer. But before we go, let everybody know where can they find you on social media if they want to keep up with everything during training camp and once the regular season starts. I am at Bailey A. Johnson underscore on the social media platform formerly known as Twitter. And if anybody is getting off of Twitter, I am on other things as well. I think it's just Bailey Johnson on Blue Sky. I'm honestly not even quite sure how it works. I'm not posting anything there, but my account does exist if anybody wants to follow me there as well. Absolutely fantastic. Bailey Johnson from the Washington Post, thank you so much. We shall talk to you again soon, my friend. Thanks so much for having me. That's going to do it for us. we got to get on out of here. We'll be back later in the week with an Eagles preview. We'll more stuff from the Captain Training Camp. So, keep it here. Have a good one. Talk to you in a couple of days. Remember, like the wise man once said, if you're on your bike, but as always, you wear white. I've been around for a long, long year. So many a man, so Change.